What's up, everybody? Will Brinson here with another Pick 6 podcast. We are still grinding on the daily scene. It's Thursday morning if you're listening to this. Presumably, maybe Thursday afternoon. Depending on when you get your podcast fill in. Fix in, that is. And uh, schedule day in the NFL. Big, uh, big news. Full schedule's coming out. Leaks will be coming out through the day. And then by the time you listen to our Friday show, we will have a full breakdown of schedule analysis. That's the beauty of the daily stuff is when that schedule breaks, we can crank it out and, uh, and get you everything you need to know. I would guess, guess, you know, guest or TBD for Friday. I would guess that it ends up being some of the Ion football guys from CBS Sports. I would promise you that Pete Prisco will be back on here for schedule analysis, but he is old and he will probably be asleep. So we find out if Pete's listening to this podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, it means you at least dig something that we're doing. So please go subscribe, rate, review. Seriously, I'm not kidding. They're, they're, everybody that's everybody that's hit that five star or left a review, it's really really helpful. Uh, I'm not, I mean, like it goes a long way towards my bosses appreciating the work that that we're doing for the daily stuff, and and it makes it easier to produce it. So if you if you like the show. Uh, leave a comment on iTunes and, and a, and a rating review is great. And any tweets at Will Brinson or, uh, at Pick Six Pot are greatly appreciated. Or you just, you know, silently soak it in and, and enjoy it. Either way, uh, we're also going to do, um, I think, so we'll do a, we'll do a, a Friday show obviously after the schedule stuff. And then I think next week for the drought, oh, no, we're going to have, that's right, we're going to have a bonus show. This weekend for Saturday, because we're going to do, uh, go through RJ White's seven round mock draft. <laughs> it's insane. RJ White, uh, one of our editors, great dude, smart football guy is going to break down a seven round mock draft on Saturday. And then this coming week, uh, after that, we're going to, of course, do Monday through Friday, but we'll have the draft, of course, on Thursday night, the first round. And then I would guess that we'll do a Sunday and and then another Monday show to break down the draft. If you want more, if you want a Saturday show, if you're going to be doing yard work on Saturday or something like that and want to have a drive on Saturday and want something, tweet at me, at Will Brinson, and let me know. Um, otherwise, we'll probably do Friday, Sunday, and then kick back into the regular week. Joining us now, as promised, Lance Zierlein of NFL.com. NFL Media? NFL.com? What, uh, what yeah, are- NFL Media and inside that little hub. Is NFL.com. And, uh, is your title of, like, official draft czar? Draft grade czar? <laughs> uh, just one of the draft analysts. I'm just one of, uh, one of a few. We don't have a ton, but yeah, I'm one of the draft analysts. Well, if anybody hadn't watched you, Lance, you do, a, you do killer work, especially on, I mean, either NFL Network or NFL Now, uh, during the combine and, and I think during the draft as well. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I tune into CBS personally, but I, I do, Spend a significant amount of time digging into your draft grades because there's it's some of the best draft content out there to me. So people should check that out. You can go to NFL.com backslash draft. If you really want to get specific, backslash tracker, backslash prospects. That's where Lance grades out every yeah. single friggin' player in the draft. Uh, the guy that I want to ask you about first because you have a, a deep family tradition when it comes to offensive, uh, Offensive line play and offensive line coaching. Do you think right. the lack of talent on offensive lines in the NFL in, in 2018 and sort of the difficulty of these teams to cultivate and develop that young talent in your mind, does that increase the relative positional value of a prospect with a really high grade? Or if I can put this another way, how high would you draft Quentin Nelson? 
think, um, you know, unfortunately, first of all, I think Quentin Nelson is a very special player. He's a guard. I wouldn't move him to tackle. He has played some tackle. I think you do a disservice to any player that um, is potentially elite and all pro caliber at one position, and you take him to another position where he might be maybe above average. I just it doesn't make a lot of sense. If you've got a phenomenal, if you got Derek Jeter at short, you don't play him at third. Right. So. That's kind of how I feel about that. So first and foremost, I believe he's a guard. Secondly, I really don't think it's going to do that because I think what's going to happen is almost the outdated notion of drafting quarterbacks way above where you have them graded is going to happen again this year. Although there have been some years recently where it hasn't happened. So I shouldn't act like, you know, there are a lot of teams who stay true to that, but I think the teams were, you know, I think what we're going to see this year, desperate teams like the jets, potentially desperate team, like the Buffalo bills trade up. Um, we'll see what the giants they are keeping it kind of close to the vest, but I think we'll see desperate teams make moves up for guys who don't have draft grades that are, that are relative to where they should go. And it's going to push much better better player down the board, including Quentin Nelson. So, no, I don't think a guard is ever going to have his draft value because there's so few, you know, really elite offensive linemen and especially tackles. Um, I don't think it's going to do anything to help Quentin Nelson stock. I, I think NFL people at the end of the day still see him as a guard, and there's still a belief that guards just don't carry the same value uh, in, in a draft, even though we have seen them taken in the top ten picks uh, with, with Jonathan Cooper, uh, Chance Warmack. Quentin Nelson will go in the top ten, and he's a much better prospect than those guys, but I don't think what you've said is going to matter. I don't think it's going to improve his stock because – it's not a great position in the NFL. Yeah, and I mean, look, when you watch this guy play, you know, what you see is a na- – uh, Jason Lockenfor called him a bleep kicker on this podcast yeah. yesterday and uh and I yeah. actually had to go and I had to go bleep it out myself but I mean you can you can see that the guy is a physical beast. I was actually up at Notre Dame for the NC State uh, Irish game and I was floored cuz we and I say you know NC State fans we went up there thinking that NC State was kind of sort of in the mix for for a national championship or at least you know contention like you beat Clemson you beat Notre Dame and, right. and you're in the mix. Right. And I, I couldn't believe that the strength of NC State, which is the defensive line, which they have so many guys in this draft class, kind of got dominated by Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey. I mean, they, they were, they were really, I just feel like this guy is, I don't know. To me, to me, this is the case of if you have a safe situation, this is, this is the safe situation Quentin Nelson is. And I, but I guess maybe that doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, you know, it's almost a separate conversation because he's not going to score touchdowns. He's not really, yeah. I mean, you want him to protect the passer well, but what he do, does is kind of old school. And that's that he is, he is a guy who is an elite run blocker who will blow holes open for you. But the other thing is he's really a tone setter, but he's not a loud boisterous tone setter. He's not necessarily a Richie incognito in terms of all that attitude out there. He's got attitude. But but McGlinchey's the one who talks more of the two guys on that line, and 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 Quentin Nelson's just kind of a quiet assassin. Like he's got all that fury and toughness inside of him, but he doesn't do a lot of talking. But you know there are people who know him, and I've seen his own you know composition of of his goals. I've seen a page that lists all of his beliefs and mantras and goals, and it's like this guy is 
he is a he is his dedication to his craft not only the technical side but the mental side is just unbelievable and so i think somebody's going to get a very very special guard but a lot of times people like of all the positions they think ooh special guard special yeah. center isn't that kind of an oxymoron but not really not when you watch this guy play and i do think that it'll have an effect and an impact on an offensive line room where everyone else wants to be you know, the tough guys too, once he steps on the field, you gotta, you wanna raise your level to his level. Saquon Barkley is your highest rated prospect in this year's class, I believe, at the, uh, 7.45 grade. How does he compare yep. with the other running backs that you've graded in, in recent years and your top running backs? I, 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 I don't, I actually don't remember last year whether I, I, I can give you all four. Do I can it. give you all four. The first year that I, I did it for NFL.com, it was Todd Gurley. Yeah. The second year I did it, it was, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Last year it was Leonard Fournette. And this year it's, uh, you know, it's Saquon Barkley. Those are, those are some pretty, pretty good running backs. And those are some pretty potentially iconic running backs if they all live up to, to their, you know, to the hype and to their physical standards, um, or their physical abilities. I've got him ranked over everyone. And, uh, Elliott is the one that's toughest because, they do a lot of the same things, and Ezekiel Elliott does it in a very efficient way. He's very north-south, but his character is a little questionable as, as it was coming out. We've seen it since then. There's some there's some concerns around Ezekiel Elliott, and I just think Saquon Barkley, when it's all said and done, can create yards for himself even more so than Ezekiel Elliott with his ability to wiggle and elude. Uh, I think he's a little bit faster, and then he's a little more explosive He's not necessarily the pass protector that Ezekiel Elliott is, but he can help you out of the backfield as a pass catcher. So when you put it all together, I think that he is a guy that can, that can also, uh, change some, some cultures because of what he brings to the table, both, both physically and from an intangible standpoint. And I think that's very, very important that you have a great running back that can do that. The only way you're going to catch that kind of grade is if you are really special. And I think most people who watch him believe that he's special. And see, I think Cleveland thinks he's special too. That's why I think he is going to be the fourth pick. And I think that might be why there's so much leaking about Josh Allen is that they want to make sure there's that run on court quarterbacks at two and three and especially two so that Barkley falls to them at four. Whoa. So you think that the Josh Allen stuff is a smokescreen. They're going to go Sam Darnold or you think that they're going to go Josh Allen and but force people to come climbing up because they know Darnold and Mayfield are, are, are going to be chum in the water, so to speak. Well, first of all, I think it can happen either way because if you draft, if you draft, if you draft, Josh Allen first, then I think it's much more likely that someone trades up to number two sure. and drafts sure. Sam Darnold. And then three, the Jets have basically roped themselves into a quarterback selection, which, you know, was kind of silly to, I think, to make that trade up that early. Um, if you draft Darnold, I think there are, there is some concern that number two could be Barkley or Chubb because those are both needs for the Giants, frankly. And I think they would love to really create some conversations for the Giants to have with the Bills and Arizona and other teams like that so that they make sure there's some frameworks in pl- framework in place if in case they draft Darnold then someone's coming up for Allen at number two mm. and then Mayfield or Rosen at number three and there's their number one player on the board and once again this is all speculation but there could be their number one player on the board Saquon Barkley or Bradley Chubb which you know 
it's amazing that I think the top three players are Barkley, Nelson, and Chubb in that order. And it, it's almost, it, it's, it's a, there's a great chance that all three of those guys are still on the board at four. Yeah, no, there's a really, really good chance that all three guys are on the board at four. I, I think I am a little worried that Dave Gettleman, I'm not worried. I, I don't care one way or the other. I just, <laughs> I, I mean, like, <laughs> I just think right. like watching Dave Gettleman operate with the Panthers, the sense I got Lance is that he, he's just so, and I, I don't even know what the term is because it's not even old school. He's just so, uh, accountanty or, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but he like he doesn't want to trade down, and he doesn't want to mess around with potentially missing out of one of those three guys. I think that his board looks very similar to your board in the sense of he might like Sam Darnold, and he might have Sam Darnold rated high, but the top three guys on his board are Saquon Barkley, and, and not necessarily this order: Saquon Barkley, Bradley Chubb, and Quentin Nelson. And this whole he probably wishes that this wasn't a good quarterback class, so he could just take his guy and move on. Yeah, because you're you're really doing your team a disservice if you don't consider contingency plans that involve trading out of that pick because what you're going to get in return is just going to be so spectacular. I think in a perfect world, he could trade with Denver and flip-flop 2-5 because then you're still guaranteed of a really good player at 5. But the reality is you'd probably have to trade 2 for uh, 12 and, what is it, 21 or 22 with the uh, Buffalo Bills, uh, or you'd have to move back maybe to 15 with the Arizona Cardinals and maybe 11 to the Miami Dolphins and you just you're, you're out of that range of blue chip players in any of those scenarios so I think that's a t- that's a little bit of a quandary and it's a quandary that the, the Browns are going to have to deal with because they're likely going to have phone calls about trading out of number four well you know here's the deal Will do you do you move back and take all those additional picks because you still have a lot of picks in this year's draft? Or do you say, sorry, Sashi Brown made all those moves all those years and passed on talent just to accumulate picks. At some point, you got to sit down and take blue chip players when they're there. And that's the one failing of Sashi Brown and the, and the, and, and the Browns organization is they did a great job of collecting picks. They just didn't do a great job of collecting blue chips and that's what they have to do. And I think John Dorsey will have a really tough call on his hands. Same thing with Chris Ballard at six and maybe even John Elway at number five. When people are are calling and saying, Hey, we got to get Josh Rosen or Baker Mayfield, whoever, or Josh Allen, whoever falls, uh, because I don't think it'll be Sam Darnold to fall that far. Boy, what do you do? Do you say, yeah, let's take those picks, or do you say, no, I think we're going to go with Chubb here. No, I think we're going to go with Barkley here. No, Quentin Nelson or Tremaine Edmonds or Roquan Smith look good to us, and we don't want to miss out on these guys. How do you, you know, I think that's going to be a tough call for a lot of those teams. I, I agree with you completely. It's, it's, it is fascinating. Like, those two topics, what the Giants are going to do it to, and then how it creates a ripple effect as to what the Browns might do at, at four, it, it's this draft is going to be bananas. I think that the Giants and the Browns could at least contemplate a situation where they do a, a three-team type of trade. And you know, if you're the Gi- like if the Giants can end up, as you said, at five, the Bills end up at two, and then the Broncos end up at twelve because maybe Elway wants to collect picks. Maybe, maybe that's something that happened. Um, the quarterback that nobody's talking, well, everybody's talking about him, but nobody's including him in the cool kids. Lamar Jackson, should he be mentioned? Yeah. Should he be mentioned as part of a big five? Or should this even be a situation where maybe Josh Allen, who could end up going number one, uh, is, is, is in the wrong spot with Lamar Jackson? 
Well, I, I've never not thought it's the big five. I, I don't think Lamar Jackson will go where those other four go. But to me, this is a big five. It's not a big six with Mason Rudolph. Some people would try to have you believe that. This, this has been and continues to be the big five. Um, I've got a, I've got a slightly higher grade on, um, Lamar Jackson than I do on Josh Allen. I got Allen five. So, I believe Lamar Jackson absolutely should be discussed. Now, if he's not going to get drafted one through four, one through five, well, there's no reason to discuss him at one through five sure. because it's, he's not really in play. But I think Lamar Jackson is his separate, is a separate storyline. There's a variety of storylines with Lamar. You got the issue with, you know, his mom is working as his agent. They've had issues with, you know, are, are we going to go in the direction of the marketing? You know, who's the marketing rep going to be? How are we going to do that? How are we going to train, um, Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson getting the right training to get him ready for NFL camps, for his workouts, to impress people, to improve his stock. You know, that that's its own conversation that's been had behind the scenes. Second conversation is, is Lamar Jackson durable, going to be durable enough to withstand uh, punishment when he leaves the pocket? Because what makes him so special is he is basically an elite running back when he's in open field. Like he's not a great running quarterback. He's an elite running back in open space. I've never seen anything like this guy's vision, acceleration, all the things I look for in a running back. He's got all of those traits and this guy's a quarterback and he can fling it too. He's got a strong arm also. So that, that's another one. Like, can you get Lamar Jackson to slide? And can you, and can he tail his running by about 30%? But you don't want him to stop it because that's what makes him so special. And then when you're done with that storyline, you move to this storyline. Hmm. Nick Foles in Philadelphia sure did do a number with that RPO. Wonder Ooh. what Lamar Jackson would look like with the RPO. And I wonder what a team like the New England Patriots would look like after Tom Brady if they had a guy like Lamar Jackson running their offense post Brady after Bill Belichick just got his tail whipped by Philadelphia. Oh, and he happens to have two first round picks. I just, I think it's interesting to talk about where Lamar Jackson could fit because here's the thing. Whoever drafts Josh Allen may or may not have a good plan for him and their offense may or may not fit and wide receivers may or may not be the wide, the right wide receivers. The same thing can be said for potentially Baker Mayfield. I think Sam Darnold stands on his own. <clears throat> I think Josh Allen can go to any, I mean, Josh Rosen can go to any kind of offense and have the potential to succeed. I don't know that every coach and every coaching staff and every city with media is going to be the right fit for him. So when you look at Lamar Jackson, I don't think there's any question you need to have an offense that fits his strengths. Like you don't just, you don't want to plug him into any old offense. That's, that's doing yourself a disservice and it's doing him a disservice. So whoever drafts Lamar Jackson, is more than likely going to have a plan for them. They're going to have had long discussions in their meeting room. They're going to have gotten on the, 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 the whiteboard and drawn plays up and talked about packages they can run with him. So kind of in a way, I think Lamar Jackson's in a special situation where whoever drafts him, he's going to go to a place that says, you know, we can't wait to have you because we've got big plans for you. Bill O'Brien changed what he did in some ways. Yes, he made he some changes. Yes, for Deshaun Watson, and he ended up with 19 freaking touchdowns in five games. I mean, are you kidding me? 19, 18 as a starter. I'm sorry, 18 as a starter and 18 over his last five games. He was the best quarterback in football in five of his six games. It was insane, and all because Bill O'Brien said, let's make sure our offense features 
uh, Deshaun Watson. And let's not ask him to do things that he's not, you know, that are not strengths for him. And that's, you know, that's the key with Lamar Jackson, too. Yeah, look, 13.4 yards per attempt for Deshaun Watson in his final game against the, the <laughs> freaking Seahawks in Seattle. Um, yeah, it, it was, and, and I think that's one of those things that gets lost in this whole discussion is that, you know, it's important to have a quarterback who has the requisite skill set and the res- requisite physical tools, but you also have to match a quarterback with, you know, with coaching. And, and to me, in the same, in a, in a different way, but similarly, uh, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, both probably need to go to a team that has an open-minded coaching staff, like you said, with a plan for them, but also a plan to let them sit and learn. To me, the best landing spot yeah. for Lamar Jackson would be either the New Orleans, <laughs> New Orleans Saints or the New England Patriots. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you in that regard. Uh, yeah, I think, I think Jacksonville, if he went there, yeah. on, on paper, it's a great, it's a great concept and great idea because, you know, you had Blake Bortles running zone read stuff at South Florida. They introduced, or Central Florida, they introduced, uh, wait, was he South or Central? No, he, he, was Central. he was Central, yeah, UCF. Cause yeah, we, got, Central. we got dudes in our office who won't stop bragging about it. That's right, UCF. But, and at the end of the year last year, you know, they had elements of zone read stuff where you'd pull it and run, which it's not brand new to the NFL. It was just kind of reintroduced a lot last year and, and you've added an RPO feature in there. But, the fact is Jacksonville fans would be calling. I think they'd be calling for Lamar Jackson yeah. right away. Do you think New England Patriots are going to be calling for Lamar Jackson right away? No. Saints fans, no. So it's almost like you need him behind, maybe even Ben Roethlisberger too. You almost need to have an iconic quarterback ahead of him so that he can sit without people clamoring for him. Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning. Well, Eli, right? Eli, Eli might fit. Phillip Rivers definitely fits. Maybe Sam Bradford. Um, I, I don't know that that would work. Joe Flacco would probably – all these guys you could at least say, listen, you know, this is our guy. Lamar is learning. He's on the bench. And, and I, I think that needs to be the landing spot. The way that the draft sets up in terms of order is good for him. Uh, what, what, are, what are two or three guys – you can actually, you could go, you can go one or two, two or three, ten or twelve, whatever, whatever you want to do that pops in your mind that are going to, cause every year we have a first round that, that looks pretty similar across all mock drafts. And there's always a couple of guys who creep in, um, as the process goes along. Is there anybody on your radar that's going to slide into the first round come next week that people aren't really talking about enough? Uh, I don't know. I'm in such a bubble that I hear all the talk, so I don't know what necessarily everyone else is talking about. Let me give you some names that haven't really been talked about a lot in the first round that could end up higher. Um, Darius Geis could end up getting further up the the first round than some people think. It For a while it was he wasn't going to be in the first round. Now I think that he really is moving up. Cortland Sutton, uh, forever it was Calvin Ridley, Calvin Ridley, Calvin Ridley. Um, I think Cortland Sutton has a, a, a shot at being the first wide receiver off the board when it's been very, very quiet with him. Um, I would tell you that the cornerbacks, um, I think the cornerbacks, Jair Alexander is going to go higher than you think. Mike McGlinchey is going to go probably a little higher than you think. Colton Miller. I think is going in the first for sure. And that's a guy that, you know, I think is really a more of a third round type of player. Wow. And they, and he's kind of polarizing, but Colton Miller, a lot of people around the league thinks, it, believe that it's a lock now, um, that he is in the first round. prisco has got him ranked. Oh, sorry. prisco has got Colton Miller ranked above, um, Mike McGlinchey. I was surprised by that. <clears throat> yeah. I don't think the tape says that, but there are people in the league and I know Pete talks to different people. 
And I'm sure Pete's heard that there are some teams who like him better than McGlinchey. Look, I don't have a first-round tackle grade on anybody. So I think it's kind of up in the air what what teams could potentially do. Mason Rudolph could sneak into the first round. I think that's a little surprising, but that um, that is something that could happen. You know, I'm trying to think, Will, if there's another – there's not really uh, had, a bunch of secret guys out there You had there Justin right now. Reed uh, out of Stanford. In, I, I yeah. don't know if it was your latest mock draft, Just, but I saw that he was in there with the Patriots. Yeah, Justin Reed. Um, you know, I think Ronnie Harrison's going to fall a little bit from Alabama. And Justin Reed is picking up some traction. So Justin Reed is a guy that I think is, is going to move up. We've been seeing Mike Hughes in the first round from South Florida. Um, Hayden Hurst is probably going earlier than people think, which means that Dallas Goddard or Mike Kosicki – could be uh, sneak into the first round as well. One of those guys, maybe even two of those guys. And I think Sonny Michelle or Rashad Penny are kind of wild cards at number 32 with the Eagles who uh, could sneak into the first round. And they've kind of been considered fringe first rounders. If there's one guy that I thought would be a super shocker, it could be Austin Corbett out of Nevada. Ooh, there it is, a super shocker. That, what a- that's probably the one that would be – the guy uh, that would surprise some people. Is there anybody, and you can go non-QB if you want. I mean, I, I assume based on your grade that Josh Allen is a little surprising, but um, and, and maybe Colton Miller is the answer here, but is there anybody that you know you see that is slated to go high in, in, in these drafts, or do you keep hearing first-round talks so, you know, attached to their name and you're just stunned that they're that, that you, the teams would either go that high or that you think they'll probably fall once the dust really settles? There's a belief in some circles that it's not going to go quarterback, 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 that it will go quarterback, another position, quarterback, another position, another position, potentially another position. Whoa. There's a belief that uh, Allen and Rosen could slide, and definitely Rosen could slide all the way to uh, potentially 12, and maybe even beyond. So it, there may not be the huge run on quarterbacks in the first five picks, that some people believe, and this may be a situation where teams don't even end up trading inside the top six, you know, six, seven, eight picks. They may just wait it out <clears throat> for the quarterback position. So there's an, I think there's an outside chance that quarterbacks, at least one, if not two of them, could fall a little bit instead of this mad rush that we've been hearing about um, at quarterback. And then the other thing would be, I, I think what you're going to see is there's a potential that the guards maybe even center could slide a little bit and maybe even into the second round and cornerbacks get pushed up um, into the first round. Guys like Isaiah Oliver, Carlton Davis, Mike Hughes, Josh Jackson, Jair Alexander. It's such a high-priority position. It, it, it just seems highly unlikely that only, you know, two or three corners are going in the first. Almost always more corners go there. And usually almost always more tackles go. But last year we had two tackles, which was highly unusual in the first. So there is a belief that that the corners um, and then maybe even wide receivers or tight ends, the pass catchers, could get pushed into the 19 to 32 range. And some of those guards, maybe even James Daniels from, from uh, uh, Iowa, could get bounced out of the first round. That theory is out there as well. I think Isaiah Wynn is definitely out of the first round from Georgia. I'm not sure on Will, Her- Will uh, Hernandez from UTEP, but he's a 32-inch arm guy, and there are some teams whose standards say you just don't draft a guard, especially with 32-inch arms in the first round. That's just not the value for him. 
Wow. That, see, that, that is interesting when we talk about the, the Quentin Nelson stuff too, because if we're to assume that Quentin, that the, that the relative value of a guard results in them being pushed down, then you're right. Like Isaiah Wynn and Will Hernandez don't have to go that early, even though some right. of these teams have needs and they look like, I think, <laughs> I think there's such a, a blurred line between that end of the first and, and, and late second that, that sometimes maybe it is a little bit easier for them to slide. Uh, Arden Key. Is really interesting because he was, he's one of those guys when, when all the jackwads, including myself, did a way too early 2018 <laughs> mock draft back in, uh, back in May of yeah. last year. Arden Key was, was one of the guys that was in the top 10 because he, you know, had, had such athletic talent. I, looking at your grades, Lance, he, you know, he's, he's really low. And I, I wonder how much yeah. of the, how much of that is, how, what, how much does character factor into that grade, or how much does an off-field concern factor into your grade, or what you're told by by various people around the league? Yeah, well, it's a combination. I I, I dropped his grade much lower than where I expected. I was with you. I thought, well, Arden Key's got a chance to be a top five pick easily. Yeah. And then um, you go watch his tape during the summer. It's like I can see some holes here. Maybe not quite as fluid an athlete as I thought. And then a total disaster in the off season goes MIA for four months and he was somewhere and the team knows where he was and that that's not going to help him come draft day because the NFL knows where he was too. Then you have uh, a shoulder issue that he has had to have worked on. He hasn't lifted from a bench press standpoint. So there's that question. You have a terrible 40 time and, and 10 yard burst. So there goes the upfield explosiveness that you were hoping for. He'd gotten up to 270 pounds last off season and played in the two fifties. That obviously hurt his uh, production. I mean, the amount of red flags here with Arden key is substantial. And, uh, I, I dropped him from late second into the third. And, and, and because of his workouts and some of the, I really didn't even need, I, all of his red flags are kind of a known deal. Right. I don't need any teams to tell me. I've done this long enough to understand what's going to happen to that guy once he tested poorly. And uh, But the thing is, I think he's third, fourth now. I may be off. I mean, he may be fifth, sixth. Wow. He may be even below that. So, like, I don't think Tony Brown from Alabama, he may not get drafted because of character issues. Kevin Tolliver from LSU is is a big red flag guy for a lot of teams who have taken him off their board. Teams just aren't – we're sitting here looking at, you know, stories that came out about Reuben Foster, red flag guy last year who went 31 because San Francisco couldn't pass up on the value, the quote-unquote value. But I had a GM once tell me if a guy – is a bad character guy with the eighth pick of the draft. He's a bad character guy in the seventh round. <laughs> and that really hit home. I'm like, yeah, you know, if you're going to do something that you shouldn't do in the, in the, as a first rounder, you're probably going to do something you shouldn't do as a seventh rounder. And Reuben Foster is a great example of why character still matters to teams and why they are going to be careful with certain guys. Yeah. I'd say my parents, they were like, you know, we wish you'd gone to that small private school in college. I'm like, you know, I was going to do whatever I wanted regardless of. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah, you're a character problem guy. That's right. Those I have character a, I have flags a, on Will Brinson. I am a care. I would. I would. If you did a scouting report on me, there would be there would be some red flags. That's okay. I I embrace my red flags. Um, all right. So how old? Let's get you out on some nonsense here. How old are you? Have yeah. you have several children, right? How old are your children? I have five kids: twenty two, thirteen, 
11, 9, and 7. Okay, that's impressive that you actually remember all those. That's very good. Yeah. Uh, so Paul well, I got birthdays coming up, so I was like making <laughs> sure their, their ages were right there. I, I, I mess my sons up all the time and he's three or four, excuse me. So there you yeah. go. Uh, yeah. right, is Paw Patrol still a thing in your house? No, Paw Patrol isn't. My kids are addicted to um, this guy named Mike Corzemba or Corzemba or something. They watch old, they watch basketball videos. My kids are like NBA junkies, but Whoa. also NBA historical junkies where they have, they had an argument the other day about whether or not Allen Iverson was railroaded due to racism in the bowling alley. What? what? This is the nine and the 11 year old in the car. So thanks a lot to 30 for 30 for putting that one in there. Cause I was, <laughs> I was just listening to them argue to see, you know, how skilled they were at, at crafting arguments. They have arguments about if Wilt Chamberlain should be ahead of Bill Russell and the top five all time centers. Like, it's pretty incredible that YouTube has allowed kids and, and the videos and then going to basketball reference has allowed kids to do that. Um, and then, you know, they also get into fantasy football. I've let them play at an early age. They filled out brackets. And so my kids will play outside. You know, I've kind of been lucky to have kids who are kind of grew up the way we did, Will, where they're, you know, they're, they're kind of sports junkies and they didn't watch a lot of my, my oldest watched a ton of TV and I knew all the kids shows. I don't know as much of the kids shows now. And the ones that they do watch are usually on Netflix now. So we don't watch as much Paul, Paul Patrol. All right. Well, I'm not going to, I was going to ask you to give me a scouting report on, on Marshall or Chase, but since but if you don't watch, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to make you do that. I'll get you out on a different question then. Guac yeah. or queso? Uh, go queso all day, every day. I mean, look, walk is great and it can't, and, and really you got to try hard to screw it up <laughs> and not all queso is great, but in, in Texas, I mean, we have so many different places that have different types of queso here in Houston and in Texas. And when queso is really done right, when it's really done right and it doesn't coagulate and you know, it's, 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 it's made so that it stays rich and creamy yeah. and, and, and doesn't coagulate too early, man, it is, it can be so unbelievably good. So yeah, I'm, I'm team queso. Although it's not like I don't, like I'm afraid of having guac on the table. That, all right. I like it. Uh, Lance Zierlein of NFL media. You're going to be, are I'm you, a, okay. Are you yellow queso or white queso? I'm white queso. But I'll, oh, I'll, man, I'll, I love white queso with a little chorizo in there. Yeah. Sausage. Yeah. Oh man, is that good? Um, and I, I like, I'm probably guilty because I would be better off eating more guac. I, like I eat a ton of avocados. They're not, not as good here in North Carolina. Um, but right. I eat a ton of avocados and I would be better off eating more avocados instead of continuing to indulge my queso <laughs> issue. Because right. queso goes the same place that beer goes. And it's, and it's, uh, that, that's another reason why my scouting profile would be very bad. All right, Lance. Bloodstream. Bloodstream, do we have a cheese? Is there a CAC? We, or do you need to blow into a straw for your CAC? Brinson, Brinson tested negative again at the combine for a highly, uh, a highly, uh, saturated CAC. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, thanks again. Big Six Podcast for, for popping on and people can go to NFL.com and check out your stuff. They can follow you on Twitter. It's just at your name, I believe. And yep. it, where else, uh, will you be doing? NFL now during the draft, anything during the draft? Yeah, during NFL now. So if they want to watch during the draft, they're out and about on their, uh, on their phone. They can download the NFL mobile app and it will be me, Bucky Brooks and Matt Money Smith. Oh, that's a good trio. Uh, it's a good, th- it's a good threesome and we literally will have every single pick of the draft rounds one through seven and I'll have analysis. I'll literally have analysis on one through 256 or whatever it is. God bless you, Lance. Thanks, buddy. Yep. All right. Thanks, Will.